got a firm foundation, a rock, the only solid ground, as nations rise and fall. Kingdoms once strong, now shaken, we trust forever in your Thank you for the opportunity to be here. We thank you for all those that are here. 
We pray, God, for uh, those that are not here, Lord, for whatever reason, Lord. We pray for those uh, that need you right now, Lord. We just lift them up to you, God, that you would just take care of them, give them peace and comfort. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to hear your word today. We pray for Brother Darrell as he delivers it to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
I've carried a burden for too long on my own. And I wasn't created to bear it.
and again. If you have your Bible, let's go to Hebrews <clears throat> chapter 8 again, but I'm going to do a little differently this morning. We'll call it Backtrack, name of the name of, name of the message. I'm just going to read one verse out of Hebrews chapter 8. We've been there two or three weeks. Uh, verse 10, <clears throat> and there's an outline of this on the back side of your announcements. You'd like to look at that also. Uh, but I used, uh, two or three weeks ago, I used a story out of Acts chapter 10, the story of Cornelius and Peter, and I want to backtrack to that. Uh, we're going to read this one verse out of Hebrews 8. In fact, let's just go ahead and do that. It is verse 10. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. Here it is. I will put my law into their mind and write them on their heart, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And we've concentrated a lot on that, and the law, New Testament time, will be put in our heart. The Holy Spirit living in us, Jesus in us, and I recall that was the point a couple weeks ago. Uh, we go from the, the fulfillment of what we would call the Old Testament law, the Old Testament written law, to the new law, and that's exactly what this quote means I'll write the law in their heart to where Jesus comes in begins to speak to us not differently from the written law but it's a fulfillment it's it's more of and I use the story of Cornelius and Peter and concentrated a couple weeks ago on the fact that God was speaking to Cornelius on one day and God was speaking to Peter on an, on another day about going to to Cornelius' house and, and things like, like that. So I just could not get that story of Cornelius and, and, and Peter out of my mind. I've been thinking about it for, for a few weeks, and it w was strong enough that I knew that I needed to go back to that story. So there's the verse out of, uh, out of Hebrews 8, verse 10. And so I'm not going to read Acts chapter 10. That's the story of, story of Cornelius and Peter, but I want to just talk about it. And most of you know the story, story fairly well, but I'm going to touch the high points and then go into it a little more deeply. Uh, Matt, if you want, just go ahead and put that next screen up, and we'll leave it there for a little bit. Cor Cornelius is in Caesarea, and uh, Cornelius is a centurion. Uh, centurion uh, is uh, is a Roman soldier. He's in charge of a hundred men. He's religious and lost. Okay, and if you read the story, he prays, he uh, gives, and so he's a religious man. And what I get from the story, he's he's a Roman soldier. But it seems like, without saying it, it gives us a hint that he's almost. Be, wanting to become a Jewish proselyte, he, he, he it's uh, it appears that he, he at least part of the time, and he's keeping the Jewish law. It's the time that he prayed and and things like that. So here's a man that is a Gentile. That's important in the story, and that's the main part of that story. He's a Gentile going through the religious acts, the religious procedure, during the doing the religious thing, but he's lost. And because of that, an angel comes to Cornelius, says, and tells him, I want you to send to uh, Joppa. And there at Joppa is a man named Simon Peter uh, lodging, in, 
lodging in the tanner's house, send for Peter. He will come and tell you what you must do. So about a day and a half to, to two days after that, that's how long the journey takes, Peter, the next day, is up on the housetop at the tanner's house in Joppa and praying, doing what he does. And uh, if I can get the, I'm going to try to get the order right, Jesus comes to him and begins to speak to him. I'm assuming in almost an audible voice. That's the way the scripture makes me think. So Jesus comes to him and begins to speak to him. And the, the main point of Acts chapter 10, it's not the one I'm going to use, but the main point in Acts chapter 10 is that Peter, being a good Jew, is supposed to go preach the gospel to a Gentile, which really hasn't been, as far as we know, hadn't been done yet. And Peter's got to get over his prejudice. Peter is religious and prejudiced. And I know that's the main point. I'm not going to harp on that one. But he's up on the rooftop praying. Jesus begins to speak to him, and he's going to deal with his prejudice. Jews don't talk to Gentiles. Jews don't go to the home of Gentiles. All right, that's against the, their law. So he's up on the rooftop praying. Jesus speaks to him. A, a great sheet comes down, and all these animals on the, on the sheet, and Jesus says, says to Peter, Peter, ri rise, kill, and eat. And all the animals on the, sh on the sheet in this vision that he sees are unclean. So J Jesus is basically saying, Peter, you can eat barbecue now. And Peter said, no, Lord, I never have. Jesus says, you ought to try it. It's not, it's, it's not bad. And so Jesus is saying, all these animals now, are clean to you. This is the difference between going from, uh, as we go from the Old Testament law, the written law, to the law written on your heart. These animals are, don't call anything that God has made clean, unclean. So now, this big shift in your mind, Peter, you can eat these, you can eat bar barbecue now. So three times the sheet came up and down, and that was the main thrust, what Jesus is trying to get in Peter's head, that uh, you've got to get over this prejudice stuff. You've got to get past that. So Jesus speaks to him. He sees a vision. And then the scripture says the Holy Spirit speaks to him. Uh, plainly, Peter has already made this shift from Old Testament written law to the law written on his heart. Corn Cornelius hasn't made that shift yet. Peter has. And so the Holy Spirit speaks to him and says, hey, there's going to be some men at the front door. They're from Cornelius. You don't know who he is in Caesarea. I want you to, I want you to go with them, and, and I want you to preach the gospel to Cornelius and his home, and I think that'll be important too. Preach the gospel to Cornelius and his home and, and his friends. So Peter does that. You know, there's a little bit of, a little bit of hesitancy there because, Lord, look, I, you know, Jews aren't supposed to go to Gentiles. Peter, I just, I just explained to you about the, the clean and, and the unclean. Whatever God has made clean, you don't call unclean. So you are to go, go with him, and he, and he does. Goes to Cornelius' home. The house is full of Gentiles, the family of Cornelius, his friends. Peter preaches the gospel to him. I'm not sure what we'll do next week. I'm, I'm really considering just preaching the gospel message that Peter preached, but that's next week. We'll see how that, how that goes. Um, 
So I hope you kind of followed that. You've got a lost man who's trying to keep the law and sends to a man who's already made that shift. He's a believer in Jesus, but some things he needs to get over too and live in this life of the spirit on the inside. He goes and preaches the preaches the gospel to him. All right, there's the story. The next uh, slide, next screen. But this is where, uh, you know, I already knew that. I dealt with that a little bit a couple weeks ago. But as I thought about the story, this is the shift that I want to make and the, uh, what I want to call attention to. I begin to think about there yesterday. Now, this all happened on a certain day, a certain month, a certain year in time. Cornelius has a visit from an angel at a certain day at a certain time. Peter, the next day, has a visit from Jesus and then sees the vision and then the Holy Spirit speaks to him on a certain day, the next day. What about there yesterday, the day before? What was going on in Cornelius' life? He didn't know this was, this was coming as far as we know. He had no idea that Tomorrow, Cornelius, everything's going to change. Peter, as far as we know, was just going through the, the day as, as he usually does, the day before. He had no idea that, that barbecue was, on the, was on, the, on the menu. From now on, you can, you can eat it or not. It's up to you. But he had no idea that the next day that his life was going to completely change. Neither did Neither did Cornelius. So there was a great change on the way. Neither, neither one of them knew it. What about there yesterday? As they were praying, going through the routine, there's no doubt that when God came to both of these men, they were already praying. They're praying men like you are. And they were seeking God for whatever. We don't, we don't know exactly. We can get a hint. But they were praying. They were seeking God just like you are. But the answer hadn't come yet. And they didn't know that tomorrow was going to be the day. So I'm, I want you to think about you now. And you're praying. Because this is, this is where the, everything began to evolve in my heart. Because I was thinking about me. And what I'm praying for. And what I'm asking for. And of course, if I'm praying and I'm asking, I'm looking for that result. I'm looking for God to do something. I'm looking for God to do something. I, my prayers recently, I imagine you can tell this just from the services, I'm asking God to do something in other people's lives. I've got these people, I just, I can't help it. I'm burdened for them. I want to see a tremendous spiritual change in their life. I want to see them receive Christ, and I want to see those who have received Christ come to know him in a real way. I'm just burdened for it. I can't help it, and I shouldn't have to help it. <laughs> it should be where I'm at. It should be what I do, praying for those. And I'm asking God to do this special work in people's lives. I'm in that place the yesterday. I'm in the day before. I haven't seen the answer yet I haven't seen the answer to my prayers and so of course I was thinking about that and that that time that we're praying but still not seeing the answer yet and I feel like right there 
I'm supposed to say that again. In that time that I'm in, and maybe I feel like you're in, that day before, we're praying, we're asking, and we just haven't seen the answer yet. Okay, that's where they were until the next day, and, and the answer came. Well, go ahead and put that next screen up. Whatever question you're asking God, he could often turn around and ask you. You see, what I'm doing is I'm asking God fervently for someone else. I'm, I'm asking that he change their heart. And, you know, oh, all right, that's great. But God could turn, could turn around, and he has, and ask me, but what are you doing? Okay? I'm, I'm wanting God to do something. And you're going to find in your prayer life that this often, not, not, not all the time, not every time, but this often is going to be the case. When you're praying, and I'm going I'm to talk to you right now about changing, maybe, maybe, changing the way you need to pray. And changing the way you go at it. Changing the way your, your expectations of what, of what prayer is. So you're praying and you're asking God to do things, but God could turn around and ask you, what are you doing? You're waiting on God to move. You know, maybe he's waiting on you to move. Well, God, let, just let me know. I think he's going to do that now. Okay, I, th I think he's going to do that now. And I'm going to confront you with that. You're, at, you're, you're waiting on God to move. Maybe he's waiting on you to move. You're waiting on God to act. Maybe, maybe he's waiting on you to act. Whatever question you're asking God, he could often turn around and ask you the same thing. You, you could ask God, what are you doing about starving children in the world? But God could turn around and ask you the same thing. What are you doing about starving children? starving children in the world. I'm going to use some uh, things that the Gideon, some of the, some of the Gideon men in our church on Wednesday night went to the jail and passed out Bibles. Great, great. Um, now, we could sit around and pray about the, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't complete the thought. They passed out Bibles in the county jail, okay, Wednesday night, some, some of our men passed out Bibles in the county jail. This is a perfect example. Now, we could pray for the prisoners in the county jail. And we could pray and say, God, we're asking you to do something for the prisoners in the, prisoners in the county, county jail. God, we're asking you to reach them somehow, some, some way. You know what God could do? He could turn around and ask you the same thing. We, we, we could pray, God, what are you doing for the prisoners in the county jail? And God could say, what are you doing for the prisoners in the county jail? Do you see the point? Sometimes we're praying and asking God to do things, and that's, fine. that's great because he can do so many things that there's no way that I can do. But maybe there is something that I can do, and I'm missing it. And maybe the answer to the prayer is not coming because it's not on the show, this particular thing, whatever it might be, is not on the shoulders of God, but it's on me. That bothers me. But my thinking and my praying continued along that line. So whatever question you're asking God, he could often turn around and ask you the same thing. Go ahead and put the next slide up. Okay, here's what I want you to see. And this is where I'm going to ask you 
uh, we're going to get down to the end, and I'm going to ask you about change. Here's what happened as God comes and speaks to Cornelius, and then God goes and speaks to Peter, and he joins the two up, and the gospel is preached, and Cornelius is saved, and Peter gets over his prejudice. Okay? There's a great change that takes place. For Cornelius to become a Christian, and for Cornelius to go back where we started, where the law is no longer just, and, and it's fine that it, that it is, but the law is no longer just, writ, just written on paper, but it's written on his heart. There's a great change that's going to take place. Listen, when people come to Jesus, there will be change, or they haven't come to Jesus at, at all. There, there will be change, and they need to know that, and they need to be, that needs to be said to them that this, this is a great change in, in your life. God's going to do something very different now. God's going to begin to work with you. It's no longer God on the outside. Now it's God on the inside, and you need to know that, and it's, it's, it's going to be those people who say, yeah, that's what I want, though. That's what I want. I don't want life to continue to be the way it has been. I don't want to be the same person after I asked Jesus to come into my life, I don't want it to be the same. I want to be different. I want to be changed. Well, that's where, that's who Cornelius was. So there has to be, there has to be this expectation of change. When people receive Christ, he comes in. The law is no longer on the outside. Now it's on, on, on the end. Just begins to do terrific, great things in his life. Uh, uh, one point I touched on, and I want to touch on it right now. For instance, in Cornelius's life, we know that when Peter came there, in the household was a lot of family and a lot of friends. All right. Now, when Cornelius receives Christ, it, the Bible doesn't tell us the specifics, but something's going to happen to him. There's going to be this tremendous, great change, and the family may not understand it. And I dealt with this, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna harp on this long, but the family may not understand it. Because now, because the law is written on the heart, it's not necessarily going by going by the written law. Cornelius may start doing things that the Bible doesn't say he has to do. But he knows by this this indwelling of the Spirit, this is what God wants me to do, though. So the family may look at you. And say, hey, you don't have to do all that stuff. I know, I know I don't have to. But the Lord's, the Lord's dealing with me about it, and I, and I want to. Or there may, so there may be some things that the Bible doesn't say you have to do, but the Holy Spirit's dealing with you about it, and you want to. And nobody around understands. I'm going to tell you this, and you watch this. When you grow in Jesus... Many times, you will grow by yourself. And nobody around you is going to get it. Not all the time. Many times, often, when you really begin to grow in Jesus. See, here's the mistake that we make. We think, well, if I'm growing like this, if I'm hearing the Holy Spirit speak to me like this, then everybody else is too. No, that's not true. The angel came to Cornelius and he, the, 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 the vision, the word from God came to Peter, not to everyone around him. 
So I'm going to say it again. I'm going to try to really drive this point home. When the Holy Spirit's working with you, when you're really beginning to grow, when you're listening to what God has to say and you're beginning to act on it, you're, you're, you're just naive if you think that everybody around you is going to think it's great too because they won't. And you better be ready and you better be prepared from this point on to say, hey, you know what, but I'm going to go with Jesus anyway. I'm going to grow with him anyway. If no one else does, I'm still going to do it. And I promise you there's going to be those times no one else will. And you've got to be that sure of it. And you've got to be that convinced that God is dealing with me about this, not everyone else. Now, he might everyone else, but we, there's, there's no way to know that. So there's these times that, that this receiving Jesus in your life, it's going to change you, it's going to cha- and, and it's going to change everything around you, but often it's going to be because of you, because of you. And they will get it. I often say it, and I don't mean this is literally true, but the Holy Spirit is contagious. And he start, sometimes you get infected, <laughs> all right? Sometimes you get infected and you pass it, to everyone else. Don't put a mask on, okay? Sometimes you get infected and you pass it to everyone else. And the Holy Spirit goes like that from person to, to person. But if you think it, it just happens all at one time, it doesn't. He speaks to a man. He speaks to a woman. He speaks to a child. And it begins to move like that. But others around you will look at you and say, you don't have to. Or, uh, or you, you stop doing things that, the, you know, the... the, the, the the scripture doesn't say you have to stop, but you stop it anyway because God's dealing with you about it. Paul said it like this. He said it great. All things may be lawful to me, right? All things may be lawful to me, but all things are not expedient. Just because I can do it doesn't mean God wants me to do it. Just because I can get away with it doesn't mean that's what I'm supposed to do. Others around you, you know, you, you know what they're going to say. Oh, what are you so worried? You know, the Bible doesn't say it's wrong. I know it. But God's telling me it's wrong. Right there. I just hit home with somebody. Bible didn't say it's wrong, but God's telling me it's wrong. But th- my friends won't understand it. That doesn't matter. God's not talking to them. He's talking to you. Somebody got that right there. God's not talking to them. He's talking to you. And he's telling you, it may be lawful, but it's not expedient. That's not what he wants from you. So that's the change in Cornelius. And then the change in Peter, where he goes, obviously, he gets rid of the prejudice. And he begins to go, go out and, and uh, preach. Matt, let's go ahead and put that last screen up. The reason, as I'm praying for these people and I'm asking God to reach them, and why isn't he? Why hasn't the answer to prayer come yet? It might be because of me. I'm asking God to do this and now, but maybe God's asking me to do something. For Peter to go reach Cornelius, he had to change. 
in this story of Cornelius and Peter, both men are praying. Is there any change that God needs to make? No. The change is located in the people. Cornelius is going to have to change a lot. Peter's going to have to change a lot for God to use him. Here's the thing. So the question is, what might need to change in me? What might need to change in me? For God to reach these people that I'm praying for and I haven't seen the answer yet, it might, it might actually be just something God needs to do, but it's bothering me. It's been bothering me for weeks and I can't get this out of my head. What might need to change in me? Am I the reason that the prayer is not being answered yet? Now, Here's where everybody wants to say, no, no, it does, it, it's Cornelius that needs to change. It's, not, it's the other guy that needs to change. It's that person I'm praying for that needs to change. It's not me. It's not me. They're the ones that I'm praying for. They're the ones that need to change. It's not me. It is me. And it is them. It's both. Cornelius needs to change. Peter needs to change. For God to reach the person that you're praying for what might need to change in you but again pastor it's not me that needs to change it's them but that's not what the Bible said is it it's both here's where we struggle because I've had a couple weeks to think about it and you haven't what might need to change in you to reach the person you're praying for. And let's just all get on the same field here. Are you perfect? I already know the answer. Are you perfect? Well, of course not. I mean, we all know the answer is no. Then something needs to change. Do you think you're perfect? Well, of course not. Nobody does. Do you think you're perfect? No. Then something needs to change. What is it? What is it? For God to reach people using you, what needs to change? Matt, can you go back to the screen, to the screen before that? Does the amount that God uses us correlate to the amount that we are willing to be used? The amount we are willing to change to be used. Now, Matt, go ahead. If, if you would, go ahead to the last screen. So what might need to change? Okay, I've had a couple weeks to think about it, all right? I think I know. Now, for me personally, it's not this, this is huge change as it is going deeper. There's something that the Lord has shown me. I already, I already know it. I already knew it. The change had already take, taken place. What he's doing with me, I know at least one thing. I've got to drive that in deeper. It's got to be more of it. I know that. He's shown that to me. This, for me, I've been shown. This needs to change. Now, there, there's going to be some other stuff, too, because I'm not perfect. And I know I'm not. And so because I'm not perfect, there are things in my life that still need 
to change. Now, you, you're still going to, I'm having a hard time getting, getting this out of your head. I know it, but it's the other guy that needs to, be, needs to change. Of course they do, but we do too. What might need to change? I want to confront you with this because there's not a person in the room that can say nothing and be right. There's not a person in the room that something couldn't change in your spiritual life. There might be something that, that God can do, something that God can change and to make you more where he can use you. But there's, there's something that's stopping if Peter had said, no, Lord, I'm, I'm fine just the way I am, then God would have had to say, well, I guess we need to find somebody else. Because I can only use you if you drop the prejudice. But until you drop the, drop the prejudice, I can't use you. That's just one example. What might it be? I've had a chance. I know what it is with, with me. What, what about you? What's keeping God from using you the way he can. As we pray for others, as we pray for their salvation and their spiritual growth, what's keeping God from using us the way that he can? I'm going to ask you to stand and Grady's going to come and help us with the invitation music this morning, our prayer time. I'm going to ask you to pray for two people. One of those could be anybody, and there may be more than one, but one of those can be anybody that you have a burden for, somebody that you're concerned about uh, spiritually. If we're praying for whatever the spiritual need is, but we're just we're praying for them spiritually, that God would get a hold of them, whatever the need is. So we're praying for them. You may want to come this morning and, uh, and again pray for them. Well, I do. I want to pray for them. But you may also need to come and pray for yourself. Lord, is there something that I need to do? Is there something that I need to change? What is it, Lord, that might keep the prayer from being answered because of me? What is it that might keep the prayer from being answered because of me. What is it Lord in me that needs to change? I'm not perfect. And I know I'm not. So Lord what needs to change? If you want to come and pray for someone else. That you're burdened for. If you want to come and pray for yourself. God what do I need to do? What can I do? Or you need to pray for both. Really we just really need to pray for both. Pray for the other person. And pray for me as I try to reach them. If you need to come and pray, want to come and pray. Uh, while he sings and plays, these altars are here. This is, our, this is our prayer time. If you need to come and pray for someone else or for yourself, we invite you to come. In the morning.
Give me G. 